Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program. I live in Southern California, Los Angeles. This is Baja Norte. If you do not speak Spanish in Los Angeles, you're missing out on a whole lot. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. And for a very limited time, LeVar Burton Reed's listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash LeVar. That's rosettastone.com slash L-E-V-A-R. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home. Hi, I'm LeVar Burton, and this is LeVar Burton Reads. In every episode, I handpick a different piece of short fiction, and I read it to you. The only thing these stories have in common is that I love them, and I hope you will too. And I have a really fantastic and fun story for you today. It's by the Hugo and Nebula Award-nominated author Saladin Ahmed. He writes science fiction, fantasy, and comic books. You might know his Black Bolt series or his other work in the Marvel comic universe. This particular story appears in his short fiction collection, Engraved on the Eye. It's a weird western this story, entitled Mr. Hodge's Sunset Ride, and it first appeared in Beneath Ceaseless Skies. It's told by an old bounty hunter, as he remembers some escapades with an old partner. Saladin is going to add some new dimensions and depth to the Western story, having some fun with mysticism, uh, zombies, and all while making it feel like canon. It's pretty cool and a real treat. So, if you're ready, let's take a deep breath. And begin. Mr. Hodge's Sunset Ride by Saladin Ahmed and whoso saveth the life of one, it shall be as if he had saved the life of all mankind. Quran 5.32 The toughest man I ever met? <laughs> That's an easy answer to give, but... Tricky tale to tell. Mr. Hodge was from the same place as my rattlesnake of a paw. Araby, or someplace like, though I don't rightly know the name, since neither him nor my paw ever said a blasted word about the old country. You'd ask and ask, and all you'd get back was a look as hard as rocks. 
No use digging after that. I've ridden with good men and bad men, but I never rode with a man like Mr. Hodge. That wasn't his proper name, just a way of calling the old man respectful-like. My pa taught me that. If I ever met a man from the old country to call him Hodge, damn near the only thing that son of a bitch ever taught me. Anyhow, a good few years back now, when I was a young, full of hisself bounty hunter, I fell in with Mr. Hodge in the Black Hills. We rode together about a year. He was a little leather-brown knot of a man with a moonlight white beard. And he took an immediate and powerful shine to me on account of my paws being from Araby. Now, understand, I'm a bastard. I carry my mama's name, O'Connor, but the way I look, a little darker than the average man. I know you can see the hatchet nose. Well, I get taken for a lot of things. South of the border, I've fibbed that I was half Mexican. Lived a summer trading with the Cheyenne, claiming to be part red man. Even got chased out of town once when I winked at the wrong girl. They was sure as they could be that I was a mulatto. It can be hell sometimes, being different things to different folks, but it can be right useful, too. Well, Mr. Hodge must have smelled the old country in my blood somehow. Like I say, he took a shine to me. And my knowing how to call him respectfully seemed to seal it for him. I can't say I ever understood it, but Mr. Hodge was the kind of man you wanted on your side. So I wasn't about to complain. For what it's worth, I was the last man ever saw him alive. The last time I rode with Mr. Hodge, we was in a little shit town in Texas, trailing Parson Lucifer's gang. Old Parson Lucifer was an ex-preacher, mad as a rabid dog. Said he took the name because he was part blessed and part damned, like any man. Can't say I ever saw the blessed part, though. Like I said, the man was out of his blasted mind. Anything ruthless or nasty you might have heard about his gang was probably the plain truth. That three-day slow murder of the blacksmith and his wife in Deadwood, done with their own smithing tools, that weren't no tale. The widow or sheriff of redemption and his baby boys getting their ears chopped off and force-fed to them. Parson Lucifer had done that too. We were in the employ of the town of Crossblood, where even the old Sunday school teacher was foaming at the mouth to see Parson Lucifer and his boys strung up. They'd lost a lot to that gang. Most of the gang had been caught before we ever got hired, and what got done to them wasn't too pretty, neither. But Parson Lucifer and his two sons were still out there. Well, one and a half of his sons, anyway. To hear it told, two sheriff's deputies had fired three shots each into his youngest, Shambles. Wasn't 
Nothing left but a bloody pulp shaped like a man. But Parson Lucifer and his eldest, James, went through the trouble of killing two more men just in order to haul the younger boy's body away. Now, Mr. Hodge and me wasn't the only hunters hunting these dogs, but it was us that found them. Rather, it was him that did. By serenading the rocks. See, that old man could sing. I don't think he knew what half the words meant, but when Mr. Hodge started in on them cowboy songs, well, as sure as I'm standing here, when that man got to crooning a tune, he made the earth itself cry. This ain't me just tale-telling, you hear? I seen tears fall from big red rocks when the old man hummed. Heard stones weep as they parted before him. So when Mr. Hodge said that a stone in the road told him where to find Parson Lucifer, I didn't doubt it. And though it still spooked me, I didn't flinch when he sang softly to a great big cliff face until it wept and opened us a passage to a perfect ambush perch. Y'all ain't got to believe me for it to be the truth. I never learned Mr. Hodge's Christian name, but to tell the truth, I don't think he was a Christian. And not to say he wasn't living Christianly, you hear? When we were down Mexico way, that man tossed his last peso at the first beggar would ask. But I don't think he'd ever touched a Bible in his life. And Sunday, to him, it's just another day. Every evening, he'd roll out this funny little rug. Then he'd turn his back to the setting sun, bow down, and say some of his words. Heathen praying, as far as I could tell. You gonna do that every night? I asked him early on. Should be more, he'd said in that rocks and honey voice. And that was all he'd ever say on the matter. No, it wasn't nothing Christian, but... My mama taught me that another man's religion was like another man's wife. None of my goddamn business. That old gal taught me a lot of lessons, but sticking to my own business was just about the best of them. Granted, he ain't seemed to like words a whole lot. Never said much more than, yup, nope, I reckon, and good, huh? Once in a while, when he'd get real mad, he'd start to talk in his old country talk, sounding like, like a man clearing his throat with flowers. I suppose it would have drove a lot of men mad riding with a man as quiet as that, and I can't say that once in a while I didn't wish Mr. Hodge a bit more social, but I've always liked my quiet. Ain't nothing in this world drives me up the wall like riding with a man who keeps on talking, and there ain't nothing to say. I always knew Mr. Hodge was there. That was all I needed to know. By my hope of being saved, I tell you, I never saw a man as good with a gun. It wasn't natural, the things that old man could do with a Navy Colt or a Winchester. You think I'm talking tall, but I'd swear it before the Almighty Himself. I seen Mr. Hodge shoot the buck teeth off a jumping jackrabbit. 
Seen him shoot another man's bullets out the air. Seen him shoot more than a couple men, too. We made over a dozen bounties in our year together, and not all of them were alive. Not by a clean sight. We was spying on Parson Lucifer and his son from our hiding place in the cliff face when Mr. Hodge, for reasons known only to him at the time, insisted we wait till the next day to nab the bastards. Well, I didn't want to hear that. I was a foolish young man in those days, hot and headstrong, with even more to prove than your average prairie boy. Tomorrow, he said, making the word sound like his old country talk. He was loading his colt with funny-looking bullets. Silver, if I didn't miss my guess. Tomorrow? We got him dead to rights now. With them powers you got? Mr. Hodge looked up from his gun and ran a hand over his beard. Powers? Shut up, you. Just a knack. A knack? But you can... I stopped, knowing I'd flapped my gums too much. The old man didn't like it when I brought up the things he could do. His eyes narrowed like I just called his mama a whore. Somewhere out there in the purple early evening, a coyote howled. Mr. Hodge spit at my feet and jabbed a tree branch trigger finger at me. Talk too much. Just heed. Huh? Tomorrow. Now, look here, I said. You know, I, I respect your experience, and I do try to heed you, but... Should be more, the old man said, and turned his back to me. Now, if I'd had half a head on my shoulders, that would have been the end of it, but I was young, a little fired up, and a lot of stupid. I thought I could make Mr. Hodge respect me, and... Half a whiskey flask later, I just knew I could do it by bushwhacking two outlaws single-handed. So after Mr. Hodge had turned his back to the sunset, said his should-be-more rug prayer to his heathen god, gone to sleep, I snuck down the cliff. you are. BPMs high, sweat dripping, body moving, tongue panting. You're working hard, real hard, and you're thirsty. You need vitamins, nutrients for peak performance and energy. And your plants do too. Aw. I mean, just look at the little guy. Water-soluble plant food from miracle Grow is full of essential nutrients. Just a little scoop into your watering can and boom. Instant feeding and bigger, more beautiful plants. It's kind of like a sports drink for your plants. You may have to suffer from heat, but your plants do not. The living room is where you make life's most beautiful memories. But your sofa shouldn't be the one remembering them. The new life-resistant, high-performance furniture collection from Ashley is designed to withstand all the spills, slip-ups, and muddy paws that come with the best parts of life. Ashley high-performance sofas and recliners are soft, on-trend, and easy to clean. Shop the high-performance furniture in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.
you can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Now, let's get back to our story. Like I said, young and stupid. If I hadn't been drunk on top of that, I might have given a second thought to those silver bullets Mr. Hodge had been fiddling with. Them boys was too smart to set a campfire, but the moon was big and bright, and by its light I could see Parson Lucifer's white preacher's collar. He was snoring away, but his son James was on watch. I crept up behind James, close and quiet. Now, even a boy as brash as I was knows that taking on two men at once, even if one of them is sleeping, requires getting underhanded. And when it comes to a gang of killers like Parson Lucifer's, well, I got no problem shooting a man in the back. So that's what I done. Three shots right up that boy James's spine. Except it wasn't James that I shot. It wasn't James that turned around. It was the other boy. The dead one. I swear it by God and my mama's grave. That boy shambles just stared at me. Something like a smile on his rotten, chopped steak half a face. I put another slug right through his eyeball, but the boy didn't even bleed. Now, I'd heard that when he was a natural living man, they called him Shambles on account of his funny walk. But when I shot that boy four times and he ain't stopped coming at me, that name wasn't so funny no more. My mouth dried up, my heart hammered hard, and I screamed and ran back the way I'd come. But there was Parson Lucifer cut right across my path, wide awake and a revolver in his gray-gloved hand. Boy James was beside him. They didn't shoot me, just laughed and told me to drop my gun or they'd give me to shambles. I heard the dead boy laughing through his open throat and I won't lie, I wet myself. Then I dropped my gun. A half hour later, I found myself lying trussed up on the ground with two teeth knocked out. Parson Lucifer's boot heel was digging into my cheek, and I was wishing I'd listened to Mr. Hodge instead of letting my hot blood send me off half-cocked. Don't look so worried, boy. The old bandito laughed. I ain't gonna kill you yet. No. You got to die in a special way, a slow way. That hex what raised my boy Shambles is constantly calling for fresh blood. Having you here, well, it saves me dangerous rating on a town. 
He took his boot from my face and strutted slowly into view. He smiled, a nasty little smile, and looked up at the night sky. The spilling, though, has to happen at sunrise when Shamble sleeps. So, you got yourself another few hours to live. Tears started to burn in my eyes. It's one thing to get shot, but it's another thing entire to have your blood spilled for black magic. I swallowed and foolishly tried to play on the guilty conscience of a man who didn't know what conscience was. You know, you, you killed a little girl during that last robbery. Eight years old, and you... I felt fear filling me, but I still wasn't ready to make the man shoot me premature for naming him for the monster he was. I switched up to make like I was giving him the benefit of the doubt. Now, could be it was an accident, I started, but Parson Lucifer just frowned at me like a disappointed uncle. Boy, ain't nothing involving a pistol and Parson Lucifer ever an accident. A better man would have called Parson Lucifer a devilish, dog-faced son of a whore just then. But it wasn't a better man lying there with his face in the dirt. It was just me, and I kept my peace as that devilish, dog-faced son of a whore went on. That girl died for a purpose, boy. More than most folks these days can claim, every man and every child must play his part. I ravage so that our Lord Christ can heal. And I guess you make a nice living doing it, don't you? The old bastard smiled. There's a Caesar in all of us, boy, and we must render unto him what is his. But the girl's was just one life. Even way the hell out here, there's a lot of lives to go around. Ain't any one of them any more sacred than another, as far as God's concerned. You think our Savior cares more about some snot-nosed child than about a sinner like me? You must not read your Bible then, boy. Ain't no man ever kept Jesus' love busier than I have. That thing he called his son shambled into my view and gibbered something. Whoever it used to be, right then it just looked like a plate of bloody meat walking on two legs. My breath caught in my chest. And what about that creature there? I said, trying to make the bold in me cover up the scared pissless. My hex brought my boy Shambles back alive, even after what them snaky deputies done to him. That's the Lord's work, boy. Same thing our Savior did with Lazarus. This here's a Christian hex I put on my beautiful baby boy. I couldn't hardly help myself. Uh, Mister, I don't know what to call that except to say that it's about as Christian as pissing in the pulpit on a Sunday morning. And at that moment, Mr. Hodge appeared from I don't know where, looking to my frightened eyes like an avenging angel of the Lord. He sang a quick string of words in his talk, sounded similar to his sunset prayers, best as I could tell. The rocks around us 
wailed right back, and Parson Lucifer looked all around frantic-like. Then Mr. Hodge shot five of them silver bullets into shambles. That thing, what used to be a living man, stopped and dropped to the ground. There wasn't no blood coming from where Mr. Hodge had shot him, but the way he started to moaning, well, it was like all them bullets that he oughtn't have been able to walk away from had all caught up with him. There was one last howl like a demon getting his tooth yanked by the meanest barber in the world, and then Shambles stopped moving, stopped kicking, and died an honest death. Mr. Hodge already had his gun on Parson Lucifer, and now he was whistling Bright River Valley. The rocks kept a-wailing, and I swear to you all that a little piece of flint jumped up and cut my bonds. But by then, the boy, James, who'd been off shaking a sagebrush when Mr. Hodge had shown up, had his gun on me. James gestured toward me with the gun and growled at Mr. Hodge. Looks like we're all of us in a fix here, but my daddy can't see no hangman. He said it in that fast, slow Kansas City way that drives a prairie boy like me clean out my mind, and his paw finally wore a look of real fear. Now, I don't know what kind of engine magic you got a hold of here, but my daddy can't see no hangman. You hear, old man? Whatever kind of red devilishness you done worked against my daddy's hex, you best hope you can lift it and bring back my baby brother. I got a clean shot here at your... There was no movement that I saw, but there was a shot, and there was smoke coming from Mr. Hodge's gun. And a boy with a hole in his head was lying where a fast-talking murderer had just stood. Hurt a lot of people. Price to pay should be more. Nine words. For Mr. Hodge, it was like a whole sermon. He looked up at a patch of moonlit cloud in the eastern sky and nodded like he'd been arguing with the Almighty, but was granting God a point. He didn't even flinch when Parson Lucifer spun around and shot him twice in the chest. I tried to stop it, fumbled James's dropped gun into my hands and fired in Parson Lucifer's direction, feeling like my anger alone could push the bullet through his skull. I'm proud to say I killed that hex-casting son of a bitch. But I wasn't fast enough. Parson Lucifer and both of his boys were dead, but... That didn't change Mr. Hodges lying there with two holes in him. And it didn't stop the little red rivers that seeped into the dirt around his old oak root of a body. As I say, I was still half green back then, but I'd already come to know by sight which wounds a man might walk away from. One look told me Mr. Hodge wasn't going nowhere else in this life. Any other man would have been screaming himself silly, but Mr. Hodge was so quiet 
I could hear the wind whispering in the brush. He grit his teeth and refused the rum and laudanum I offered him. Tough as he said, and I thought he was speaking his old country talk. I wished my pa or anyone from the old country was there just to hear him say his piece. Hell of a thing to have to speak your last word to a man who can't understand you. But he said it again, and I realized I did understand. Tough as all hell, the old man was saying. The first time I ever heard him talk proud. Yeah, you are that, Mr. Hodge, I said to him. Ain't no man anywhere can begrudge you that. That man bought my life with his. God is my witness. I ain't seen what I'd done to deserve it, to tell the truth. I told him as much as he lay there dying. The old coot spit out some blood and smiled real mean-like. For you, he said, and shook his head. He pointed his long brown trigger finger up at the sky like he was naming a target. For him, hurt a lot of people. Price to pay should be more. That was the last thing he said. I watched the light go slowly out of his eyes. Saw that smile go slack. I smelled crushed roses in the air, though I can't say where the scent came from. For a long time, I just sat there, my thoughts mingling with the moon shadows. I spent that sleepless night burying him with a short-handled shovel, his guns and his little heathen rug beside him. Come morning, I was wore out as a man could be, but it was time to leave. Ashes to ashes, I said as a way of goodbye to the old man. Dust to dust. Then I dragged myself eastward, my eyes half blinded by the rising sun. Well, there's Mr. Hodge's sunset ride, you know. It's a shame that our, our narrator never gets a name. He's such an indelible character for me. I mean, I, 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 when I read prose this good, it takes no effort at all to visualize the characters and to locate them in my body, you know. Um, sometimes there's, there's just something that I cannot define in in, in a person's writing, there's a, a, it's a combination, though, I think, of, of a rhythm and the way they use language that, that 
calls the character off the page to me. Um, and this was certainly one of those stories. I mean, these three people, basically, our narrator, Mr. Hodge, and, and the Reverend, <laughs> um, they're so vividly drawn. And it's not, I mean, he does give a brief description of, of a couple of them, not all of them. And so it's it's not like the portrait is is laid out there for you. It's more like the clues are all there, like stones that you just have to pick up, right? You know, the character of Mr. Hodge is is is, is a time honored Western trope. He's the strong, silent, you know, m- master of his weapons, man of few words, but you know, big actions. I want I want to see Mr. Hodge. I want to see him in his Western garb. I want to see what he's wearing. I want to see how he interprets his culture through the lens of Western wear. I want to see the angle of his hat. I want to see whether he wears a scarf or not. I want to see at what angle his weapons lay in his holster, right, for the best access to his quick draw. I want to see his boots. I want to see whether or not he wears spurs. It, 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 it becomes, it turns out to be a seamless portrait of a slice of life in the Southwest that is, has now become a part of my lexicon of imagery from the Southwest. It's tucked in there right along with, you know, with the ox blood incident or the ox, ox bow incident um, and every Jimmy Stewart Western you can think of. Mr. Hodge. Um, Western myth. But he's real to me. As real as it gets. In any case, um, I loved reading this story, and and Mr. Ahmed is a truly, truly talented, talented writer, and I really look forward to reading more of his stuff here on the podcast and, and in my life at large. Our producer on this episode of LeVar Burton Reads is the best in the business, Julia Marie Smith with an assist from Kristen Torres. Our editing and sound design is by Brendan Burns. Who knew the boy was so talented? My thanks to Saladin Ahmed for allowing me to read his story today. You should go check out his novel, Throne of the Crescent Moon, which is kind of like the Arabian Nights meets Game of Thrones. Or you can read his graphic novel, Abbott, a story of demons and journalism set in Detroit. And, as always, if you have enjoyed the podcast, why not recommend an episode to a friend who you think might enjoy it, too? You can also leave us a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, include a story suggestion for us. We read them. We use them. We love them. You'll hear them. It's true. We'll be back next week with another handpicked story. Or if you can't wait that long, we'll just go ahead and indulge yourself in the next episode right now and exclusive bonus author interviews on Stitcher Premium. Each story goes up one week early and ad-free. Just go to stitcherpremium.com slash LeVar. Or if you're listening in Stitcher already, simply tap the menu button in your app and 
select premium for one month free. LeVar Burton Reads is a production of Stitcher. Our executive producers are Chris C.B. Bannon, Jenny Radelette Mast of the Flying Radelette Sisters, and yours truly. That's me, Quinta Kente. I'm LeVar Burton. You can find me on Twitter at LeVar Burton and LeVar.Burton on Instagram. I'll see you next time. But you don't have to take my word for it. Stitcher. They say plants like music. Yeah, no, like really, they, they respond to the vibrations of it, which means that this playlist you're listening to, the plants are too. You know what else plants like? Organic soil from miracle Grow. It's made with all the best stuff like wood fiber and compost. Plus, it's OMRI certified organic, which officially means it's made with superior ingredients. And when you give your plants the stuff that makes them happy, they won't judge you on your iffy playlist. Hear that, plants? So go ahead and give them miracle Grow. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.